Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Kia ora, everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I am coming to you today with a bonus episode, which is pretty exciting because I haven't done one of these for quite a while now. So this week's bonus episode, I speak with Hannah Barrett and we talk through all things postpartum, fourth trimester and how she's finding life being a mum to little Billy. I think you will remember if you've listened to the podcast for a little while, Hannah's birth story, which was episode 100 of the podcast, where she talked us through her pregnancy and birth story with daughter Billy. She had a pretty straightforward uh, pregnancy and birth, which I'll let her just quickly touch on at the start of her episode. But I just really appreciated Hannah's sort of openness and honesty with us in this episode. I think she's covered a lot of things that either we've been through as mums or we may go through. Um, with our babies at some stage so I think you will definitely get something out of it whether it's you listen to it now and find some new information or you re-listen to it again when you've got your baby and you think oh I actually am in a really similar situation and that was really helpful so I hope you love it as much as I did recording it I will let Hannah do the talking now let's jump into it hey Hannah thanks for joining me again on the Kiwi Birth Sales podcast hey Jordan thank you for having me you are welcome and you're joining us all the way from Japan. Yes, I am. It's actually a very nice day here today. Super sunny. It's coming into summer. So yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. I forget about the um, different seasons. Very cool. Um, and I'm really glad to have you back on the podcast and have a bit of a chat about your postpartum period and the fourth trimester and just how you've sort of found mum life in the last, how old is Billy now? She's just over seven months. Seven months, yeah, nice. So I'm sure we've got a lot to chat about. Um, (laughs) Awesome. So just in case uh, someone hasn't listened to your birth story episode, do you want to give us a really quick overview of what your birth was like? Yes, absolutely. Um, So I had a a pretty straightforward pregnancy. Um, Billy was breached for a little bit and she flipped by herself. Um, I had used an obstetrician. The birth itself was also quite straightforward. I was induced at 39 weeks and one day and um, I had an epidural and there weren't, you know, too many problems. It was all, I sort of maybe was in labor for about, active labor for about four or five hours. Um, No tears as well, which was really good. So um, the birth I was so pleased with. um, And the ironic thing is the aftermath. (laughs) 
um, has just been, well, not anymore, but the first three months. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And that's quite a strong word to use, but. No, no, I get it. <laughs> yeah, cool. And so I guess um, we sort of covered like leaving the hospital. I think Billy was only like a couple of weeks old maybe when we actually recorded your birth story. So do you want to talk us through what those first, I guess, couple of weeks were like if we focus on breastfeeding maybe as a start? So were you planning to try and breastfeed Billy and did she latch on initially okay? How did you find that? Did you notice when your milk came in like what were those first few weeks like so I was always quite keen to breastfeed um I personally didn't think I would have like that overwhelming sort of connection for the breastfeeding initially Mm. it was just because I thought oh well I know the milk's good for the baby and it'll help me lose a few kgs (laughs) and once I was breastfeeding I did realize that special bond that everyone talks about um and I did enjoy it but I must say I had pain breastfeeding for about it would have been close to three months. Like it was never fully painless. Um, yeah. And I think partially was because I've had an oversupply. So my letdown would sting and she uh, would gulp and she was also born tongue tied. So they, yeah. they spotted that at birth. My obstetrician cut under her tongue, but I do think, because they practice in the womb, you know, swallowing and mm. that movement, all of a sudden you've gone from your tongue being quite restricted to now having, you know, Billy had lots of movement after the tongue tie was snipped. And I do think they have to reteach themselves how to swallow and the latch mm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So was the pain like when she was feeding with your actual nipple or did you find that it was more with the letdown afterwards? Um, honestly, the whole thing was the painful. Whole thing. The latch was painful. Yeah. I had times, I also had quite bad circulation. So my nipples were just, I was in agony. Mm. Um, they would go white, like the Raynards, sort of when you get the cold hands, cold fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the whole thing was really painful. The only awesome thing was that because I had such an oversupply, I was able to donate a lot of my milk to, um, Mother's Milk NZ, so they're a charity oh, that nice. gets the milk to um, yeah. mums who need it. So that was a really good thing. But I must say, having an undersupply is obviously, a, you know, that's really hard. But having mm. an oversupply is also, there are problems that's caused by that. Yeah, yeah. And did you expect it to be painful? Like, I don't, I don't know. I think back and I'm like, oh, I sort of just thought that breastfeeding might be a little bit easier than than what I found it. What was your experience with that? Did you feel sort of prepared for what you were in for? Oh, absolutely. I thought it was, um, I thought it was going to be so straightforward. Like, relax is going to be much of an issue. And how much of a nightmare is actually getting the baby to latch? Yeah, I it was is not simple, right? Yeah, with like 50 cushions, and Bowden would like prop the cushions under, and I was so stiff. And yeah, um, you know, to start with, it was really hard. Yeah, yeah. And how did you, because did you, are you still breastfeeding Billy now? Yes, so still yeah. breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, and and I don't have any pain now, but I remember being at birth care after I had her and they have this informational video on the TV about breastfeeding. And I was watching that and it's, it said breastfeeding should not be painful. 
And I just thought that is so unhelpful because I'm busting my ass trying to learn how to breastfeed and it is extremely painful. Yeah. And I'm hearing that it should be, you know, pain free, which is yeah. not the case for everyone. Yeah. And did you see anyone about it? Like, did you see a lactation consultant or anyone like that? Yes. Um, there was a lactation consultant that did come and check just that she was latching all right because of the tongue tie. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she definitely helped with the latch. And also there's this lovely woman on Instagram. Um, she runs the account more than milk. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. And she, she, she sort of helped me through it a bit too. She always posts really, um, really good information about breastfeeding and she has Q and A's and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And did you do any expressing? Like, were you expressing between feeds and did you have, um, a pump beforehand or was it something that maybe you bought after Billy was born and you realized you might need it? What was that like? So I did have a pump. I used the Belmar, um, Belmar Pro, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. It's a double pump. Yeah. But my midwife said to me, honestly, Hannah, do not go anywhere near that pump because you just, if you pump, you will just not be able to handle the milk. Yeah. Cause um, it, cause it would continue to increase your supply. Yes, because it's like the basic supply and demand. The more you pump, the yeah. more um, supply you'll have. So yeah. I would just put the hacker pump on one boob that I wasn't feeding on and then switch over after the oh, feed. Yeah. And I'd usually get yeah. a full hacker pump just to actually relieve the pressure. Of- oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, yeah. like she would come off, she would always come off the boobs coughing and spluttering. She couldn't swallow it fast enough. And I think that's probably part of the, like the perfect storm with the colic was yeah. she couldn't, she was getting so much air down when she swallowed. And, you know, maybe I should have looked to switch to bottle feeding. Um, yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And just before we talk about the colic, so she's obviously still being breastfed now and you said it was really painful for about three months do you think it was just because she got a bit older and more used to your supply that it stopped being so painful for you or what do you think changed I honestly think my nipples just got used to it because most of my pain there was nipple pain and I would wear the silverette cups and they helped and um obviously the pure lamb um the Mm -hmm. pure lamb nipple cream is really good too and I think my nipples just hardened up over time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. And I know you've um, talked a little bit about her colic on Instagram. So how did you sort of notice and maybe um, what signs was she showing that she might be having issues with colic initially? Well, colics is such a tricky one, as you know, because it's really hard to diagnose and it's also such a vague yeah. term. Um, there's no real, that there's no cause of it that people know of, and um, the symptoms are also quite varied. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I just, I was just really struggling the first couple of weeks, and she was hard to sort of settle. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, people say motherhood's hard. This is really hard. Um, yeah. And I remember my friend Alex had a baby. She was a week behind me. So she had the, her baby that she a week after I had mine. And I went over to see her and I just kept thinking, oh, my gosh, Lucia is such an angel. I can't believe that, Alex, you've hit the jackpot. She's so chill. <laughs> just sitting yeah. out in arms like a little perfect baby. And 
a couple of a couple more weeks went by and I had a play date with my friend. My friend Bree had had a baby and she was a month after um, Billy was born and Alex and Bree came over with their babies and I remember thinking, wow, my baby's quite different to these two. And they were just, you know, they, they're good babies and they're babies that require a bit more attention. And Billy was just... Oh my gosh, she was just couldn't sit. Could, well, she couldn't sit then, but she just wouldn't stay still. She wouldn't stop crying. Mm-hmm. She was so full on. Yeah. Um, and that's when it sort of dawned on me that, okay, this isn't quite normal. And, you know, your baby is crying a lot more than other people's baby and a lot more unsettled. Yeah. And it was, a, was it like all day and night that she was like that? So the saving grace was our nights were pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was mostly in the day and um, obviously really bad late afternoon and mm. early night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so did you go and see a doctor or like what did you do when you suspected that it might be something like colic? So, I mean, Jordan, there was – I pretty much did everything I could think of. I went to a spiritual yeah. healer. I went to yep. a chiropractor and osteo and I just so wanted all of these things to work. I yeah. brought this special colic mix from Australia. Um, that was a nightmare to get. And I had to get it sent to Bowden who was in Australia at the time. And then he would sort out bringing it back and all that kind of stuff. Um, and nothing really worked. Mm. Like nothing at all. And I, I do think it is just a waiting game. And at 14 weeks she did, come right that oh my gosh it was a dark dark time for me yeah 14 weeks is a long time right like when you when you think back and you look at your seven month old now and you're like oh man she was so tiny at 14 weeks but you've had to survive those 14 weeks of an unsettled baby right like that's a long time oh yeah it was it was actually really miserable to be fair and yeah I think the worst thing was I was so gutted that I wasn't loving it and yeah, so people would like would email me and say or message me and say, "Enjoy the newborn snuggles and mm-hmm. this is the best time." And I, but, but it was just like, "Oh, this is the best time! Like, what's going yeah. on?" Yeah, um, yeah, it was really, really hard. I remember one morning, my mother-in-law who lives in New Plymouth, she messaged me and she said, "How was last night, Han?" And I just remember reading the message and bursting into tears. And I mm-hmm. said back to her, "Oh, it was you know pretty tough and." Today is tough to like every other day. Yeah. And we just booked a flight and came up to Auckland and she was just so incredible. She I was really lucky to have her. She um she's got eight kids of her own and she just put me in some really healthy habits that worked for Billy. Um we moved her out of my room and she's always yeah. been that baby that sort of needs her own sleep environment. Yeah, I think. Um and yeah, so she was a godsend. She'd maybe scones and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But I, I honestly think that's the best thing you can have around you if you have a colicky or refluxy baby is just some support. Yeah, because I remember Bowden was away a bit when she was pretty new, right? Like, so obviously you would have missed having like his support there too. Yeah, so he so he spent two weeks That's with right. us, yeah. and he was away for the eight weeks until we were we saw him back in Japan we, when we moved over to Japan, and he moved from Aussie, so yeah, that was met up. So I felt like I was a solo 
month yeah. eight weeks um like emotionally he was there and I could call yeah. him um and stuff but actually the like physically I was doing everything myself yeah how did you find I guess I'm I'm relating this to my own <laughs> story and you may not feel this way but I remember when Joe went away and Jai was only like 10 days old and like I just felt like all shit hit the fan and I had mastitis and Jai was like unsettled from the antibiotics and all this stuff. And I just remember like almost resenting him for that period that he was away. Cause although I could call him and, you know, cry on the phone and tell him how hard I was finding it. And like, I didn't know what to do. And I had other support around. I also felt like you should be here to understand and like us to share this like kind of load of, of an, of an unsettled, baby so eight weeks is a really long time to to you know get through that so what were some things that helped you or did you feel that way at all yeah I I actually felt exactly the same way as you and I was just so frustrated and yeah it's not it wasn't his fault he's you know earning he's yeah yeah providing for the family but I did feel very much like oh I can't believe you've left me here with this baby I in the usually when he went away before kids I would miss him so much and um, I honestly didn't even have a chance to miss him I was so just trying to figure out Billy and get through each day yeah Um, yeah so it was just it was really hard without the help but also yeah there was a little bit of that I couldn't help myself but um Mm. Which is such a shame as well because you don't have a thing on top of what you're already dealing with (sighs) Totally. I did find myself definitely being like, oh, I can't believe you've left me here. And I'm just, you know, in a total bind. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that like the whole shit storm for lack of a better word of, of the situation that, that you're in, how did you, or like, what was your mental health like at that stage? Do you feel like there were any times where you were like, man, I'm, I am able to identify that I'm in a really dark place right now. Or do you think that wasn't until after, like you'd sort of come out of that period? What do you think happened there? Yeah, well, like I would be lying if I said that I hadn't Googled like symptoms of postnatal Mm. at least a couple of times during that period, um, postnatal depression that is, because I honestly felt so low and I wasn't even myself. Like I'm not usually a person and I just had this, overwhelming anxiety every day of I can't even leave the house I don't know what it's going to be like people would say oh can I come around and meet the baby and because I was one of the first people in our friend group to have a baby you know everyone Mm. wanted to come and see her and and I just used to feel sick to my stomach um thinking oh my gosh someone's going to come around and I need to clean the house and I don't know what Billy's going to be like and Mm. That was really hard as well because I sort of started to shut myself off from friends. Yeah. Again, is so unlike me. Um, and I didn't really want to see anyone. The what it, my parents would come over every um, every night. So my parents both work. They'd come over every night after work. Dad would cook dinner, and we would pay past the pass with Billy, and she would just be crying nonstop. Yeah, yeah it's such like a oh. I just feel for you. And I, I know there's so many other mums out there in a similar situation, right? Where they've got a really unsettled baby for whatever reason. Um, and everyone, like you say, talks about like really loving that newborn period and, and you just can't relate, which sometimes I think makes you feel even worse. It's that, it's that side of social media where you, 
you hate it because you know there's all these posts and it's and it's a highlight reel and whatever but you still feel like why don't I have that like why do I have to tag team with my parents all night every night because my baby's so unsettled yes absolutely and um yeah. I think that's why I always felt really um passionate about talking on social media about how this experience for me was far from perfect yeah. and um someone actually messaged me when I was um I must have been complaining about the colic or something on my Instagram. And she said, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this because between your perfect pregnancy and your perfect nursery and your perfect birth, like it's so good to know that, you know, you're, you know, not everything yeah. worked out perfectly. And I was like, gosh, that's so true. And I think every mother, like nothing ever works out perfectly. Someone no. has a rough pregnancy or a rough birth or they get a prolapse or, um, yeah. you know, there's issues further down the track, but, you know, everyone has their time that they yeah. struggle. Yeah, for sure. And so do you feel like there was anything at all that helped you during those first couple of months in terms of, like, your mental health? Gosh, I feel like it's a suppressed memory. I'm trying to think back to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I do think the the people that actually really got it were the friends that would come and they would just sit and talk to me and they would help with housework and there was no expectation. Um, yeah. You know, they would hold Billy and they didn't mind if she was screaming in their face and <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and it's people sort of understanding the position you're in. And, you know, one friend who has kids just dropped off a banana loaf and she's like, I'm not even going to message to come in. It's it's on your doorstep, you know, don't worry. And, and I think if you don't have kids, it's really important to remember that this time is so, especially mm-hmm. this time mothers, you know, you want to love it and you want to really, you know, soak up your baby, but it is so hard and you, you really shouldn't force yourself on people. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I can definitely Meals relate. and housework were great. Meals, yes. like, practical, practical help was really good. Yeah. I think that's a really good tip for anybody um, listening, wondering what they can do to help their friends after they've, had a baby meals and housework. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, awesome, cool. And so, obviously, um, you talked about meeting Bowden in Japan. So, Billy must have been around 10 or 11 weeks old, was she, when you did that? Yes, so she was 10 weeks when we left, um, left home. And again, like that was another adjustment. She was still yeah. in the colic, and there's no yeah. plunket over here. Well, no plunket that I know of. Yeah, probably is like Japanese equivalent. Um, but yeah, so we don't have plunker. We obviously don't have a mother's group. Um, so it was really more unknown. Yeah, and was COVID a thing when you did that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So COVID's pretty big here at the moment, and it was yeah. big back then. It's sort of been in waves. Yeah, yeah. And how did you, I guess – try to prepare for that whole adjustment. So like you're moving your life with your 10 week old baby to Japan. So what was that, I guess um, the weight of that playing on your mental health and how did you kind of prepare for that? And then how did you find it? I guess once you first arrived. Um, Yeah, that's such a good question. So honestly, at the back of my mind, the whole time with Billy having the colic, I just, was like, I need to fix this before Japan because I have no help over there and it's going to be a nightmare. 
Um, and obviously, you know, it couldn't fix the colic. Yeah. So went over there. She still had colic. And um, I then had to sort of change my mindset to this is actually happening. And now you just have to deal with it and make the yeah. most of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so once you got to Japan, how did you find like that adjustment to not having your family around? And obviously you've got Bowden back, but he's not home all the time I can imagine because he's got training and games and he's, you know, busy too. So how did you find, um, I guess that whole shift in, in your life, um, from being in New Zealand to being in Japan? Um, it was, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was yeah. really hard. Um, but I met some amazing girls over here. I've met some amazing girls and, um, their partners and husbands are also playing in Bowden's team and they pretty much all have kids. So yeah. um, we've all become really close and it's really nice to have these ladies to talk to if I need advice or, you know, if I need them to help out with Billy or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's, everyone's really lovely and that's sort of the silver lining. I guess um, these people have become family because everyone's in the same boat with no family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of, like, if you've ever been overseas with um you know your partner or for whatever reason um kids and being isolated away from where you usually live is can be a really nice way to build a little community right so it's nice to hear that you found found that kind of um group over there um and in terms of I guess your relationship so obviously you didn't see Bowden for like eight weeks when Billy was first born and um, I think I remember you saying on the podcast in those first couple of weeks when we talked that he was pretty hands-on when he was home and, you know, really um, did what he could with Billy. But how did you find it once you got there and you sort of settled into normal life? Like was the expectation that if Billy was awake overnight or, um, you know, how did you sort of share, I guess, the duties between? Yeah, because I think it's something that, like I get lots of questions about and every single mum group I'm in on Facebook is always talking about like, what is the, <laughs> what is the load between you and your partner? What does that look like? So what was that like for you and Bowden? Yeah, it was interesting because, because he was away for those eight weeks um, in the first 10, I started to just do, be able to do everything on my own. Mm-hmm. Like I bathed her every night. I did this and that. And I, I didn't rely really on anyone else when yeah. it came to her. So when I then, was reunited with him I had to sort of change the way I'd been doing everything because it was so yeah. nice to have this other person um helping out but also I had become a bit of a control freak over yeah. her and I had my yeah. ways to do it and I had read a lot of things pre-kids that said you know don't um try not to like button when your husband is doing something with yeah. the kids and tell them how to do it because then they'll lose confidence. Yeah. Um, there's sort of no right or wrong way, really. Yeah. So I so he would be doing stuff and I'd just have to, like, you know, have a breath or just walk yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not how I do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really appreciative of how hard he works when he's at training and um, the, all the other stuff he does other than rugby. And I'm so thankful the amount of effort that he puts in with Billy as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but, but we did definitely have that sort of dance trying to find the balance and who does what and mm. he does the 
the bath every night and that sort of his thing now um and he'll help when he can so I'm really grateful of that yeah nice and how do you think I guess if you think back to like pre-Billy and almost pre-pregnancy I guess because pregnancy is a different part of your relationship too but if you think you know pre-Billy versus um how your relationship has shifted after having her do you think you've noticed like a big change in your relationship can you sort of see you know that you're really similar or the same to how you were before Billy or what have you found that sort of adjustment like um I think he's the same and I think I've definitely changed and I I was still sort of figuring out our relationship post Billy I'd say because also it's weird being over here we've just been we've never spent this much time with each other pretty much ever (laughs) in our relationship and we have nowhere to go in our apartment like we obviously don't have I can't just we can't just drive to a parent's place or um, everything's a bit harder so yeah I I would say that we're still trying to figure out our relationship I remember I Mm -hmm. went on it um out for dinner with him when we sort of first got over here and I remember thinking oh my gosh I don't even know what to talk about and we've never had <laughs> yeah. ever had any yeah, yeah. like that and I was a bit nervous which is so unlike yeah. me as well and I think also um what I didn't realize was how much my body would change um mm. and it, I just didn't feel sexy I mm. <laughs> I lost a lot of confidence um yeah which I've you know now like working to get back but I've really have learned a lot about myself and I've changed a lot in this postpartum period. So I feel like the change is all with me, but obviously that affects the relationship as well. I'm just, you know, learning how we now do things. Yeah. And has Bowden been like pretty patient with you in terms of like the way that you're feeling and, you know, the changes that happen when you become a mum and how has he responded to you sort of feeling different, I guess, in this postpartum period? Yeah, he puts up with a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I always think about Joe too. I'm like, oh, yeah. Hope he doesn't tell anybody about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And at the time you're like, well, you know, you 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 lose it and then you think, yeah, like, oh, my gosh, that's so unreasonable. And you just sort of yeah. nodded your head um, and got <laughs> on with it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about, I know that you didn't have, like, any stitches from your birth, but you still gave birth to a baby through your vagina. So yeah. um, what about the return to sex? So um, obviously you had a bit of a longer period before you saw Bowden again, but um, how did you find, I guess, the journey back to intimacy and has your sex life changed since having Billy? Um, we're, we're actually pretty lucky. Like we, because, you know, I was, I wouldn't say unscathed down there, but <laughs> I mean, I wasn't destroyed yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, you know, it, that wasn't really an issue for us. Which yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. And is there anything else that you think like you've been able to do with Bowden to keep like the spark alive in this sort of changing period? Because obviously when you're, although you're together a lot, you've got your baby around, right? So it's still um, different, I guess, to how things were before. So is there anything that you do to like make sure you get time alone together or yeah, try to keep um, keep the spark alive, I guess, post, post having Billy? 
Well, I must say it has been really hard over here because, you know, I don't have my mum that can look after her and we can go on a date or anything yeah. like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping that once we get back to Auckland, we'll have a bit more time, just the two of us, which will be really nice. But at the moment, it's sort of like we try and put Billy down um, before our dinner and then at least have dinner together at the table yep. and maybe watch a Netflix episode together. He refuses to watch Grey's. So, what? Yeah. Um, I know. He's like, <laughs> all these boxes do is have sex. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That, yeah. So we find a series that we both like, or a documentary, and we watch that together. And that's sort of as good as it is going to be until we're yeah. back home and um, end of May. But it, I mean, that's good. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. And I know that you have like gone back to work. Um, I guess since having Billy, do you want to talk us through? I guess the decision to do that and did you feel like you were missing that when you weren't working and what has it been like fitting that in around mum life? Um, so I didn't, I pretty much was working after three weeks. So I feel yeah. like I wasn't even really off. <laughs> I didn't even feel like I was off work <laughs> as such, yeah. um, especially because what I do, a large portion of it is through Instagram and I'm obviously was on yeah. that after I had her and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's very easy for people to think you know you're just an influencer or whatever you know you don't actually do much work but I can assure you that things take time and there's a lot of effort behind the scenes um yeah I think I had yeah so I did my first board meeting three weeks um after having her and even just getting into clothes that weren't like compression tights and normal (laughs) clothes I completely forgotten how to dress for my non-pregnant body I felt like I had no fashion sense um I couldn't (laughs) even put outfits together that weren't like long tight stretchy dresses which is what I lived in yeah um yeah it was it was a bit of a nightmare but I did love it for my mental health um especially because my reality was a screaming baby pretty much all day every day to actually get out and do something for me and feel like I was all right at something and not failing, yeah. which is how I did feel a lot of the time at home, which is so sad yeah. um, because I know there's nothing more I could have done, but you do feel yeah. like you're failing. Yeah. And I guess it's sort of that like independence and, and thing that you did before Billy that you still know you can do well after Billy. Right. So it's um, yeah, I can, yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. And feeling like you've got a bit of yourself back, you yeah. know, you're so selfless in those first weeks. I mean, you don't really do anything for yourself yeah. to be able yeah. to just go to work and or go to a meeting or go to an event and feel like you've sort of got a little bit of your old life back. And for me being a control freak, a little bit of control over the situation <laughs> yeah. was yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And what about um, Billy's sleep? So her routines, I guess, as, she's grown. So have you tried to implement like a routine with her and what's her sleep like and what's that kind of journey been like for you guys? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because the night sleep has been pretty good the day yeah. sleep is shocking. So, <laughs> so I, so when I mentioned my mother-in-law came up, um, and she was just an absolute godsend, 
she came out when Billy was about six weeks. Um, yeah. And funnily enough, Bowden was the only one of her eight children that had colic. Mm. So I don't know if it's a genetic thing or what. Yeah, that's interesting. I know. So she was like just a pro in handling it. And we, um, she, the first thing she did was she said, right, like we're going to move Billy into her own room. She'd been in the snooze pod in our room. Um, so we moved her into her own room and I said, Robin, I'm worried because I'm such a heavy sleeper. What if I don't mm. wake up? And she said, oh, no, no, your motherly instinct will kick in. Like you'll wake up. And if you don't, I'll, I'm in the spare bedroom and I'll hear her and I'll go and get her. And I said, okay, well, I'll wake up then. And, of course, I wake up in the middle of the night to Robin, my mother-in-law, bringing Billy yes. into the bedroom <laughs> because yeah. I slept through the crying. I'm that much of a heavy sleeper. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was once we got her in our own room, I slept a bit better because, you know, all the gurgly noises. The grunts and, yeah. Yeah, and all the grunting. And because Billy was so windy, she's constantly grunting and uncomfortable. Um, so that helped. We also started side sleeping her facing the left um, because that is better for windy babies. I think mm-hmm. the, the left that gas rises and then it gets yes. out. Yeah. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I don't know the no, exact. I've, I've um, I, that's very true in terms of just like Anatomy. the body, right? Because they tell yes. adults to do that too. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So you're yeah. backing me up here. Yeah. So she's so we had her sleeping on the left. So she'd pretty much be side sleeping um every night. That made actually that probably made the most difference with um mm-hmm. her sleeping with the colic. So so around about twelve weeks in Japan she started sleeping through, which was amazing. Um yeah. our days were still an absolute nightmare. Like she wouldn't sleep for longer than forty five minutes. Mm. Or, yeah 45 minutes most of most of the time it was half an hour so I became yeah. really good at doing a thousand things around the house in half an hour yeah yeah so yeah that's um we've done a we've done a bit of sleep training when you have four months and yeah. um to be honest I didn't struggle with the sleep training I know a lot of people if they try the um, sleep training or the cry it out method. We didn't follow an exact method. I just sort of went with my gut. And, yeah. Um, but a lot of people really struggle. But for me, because I had heard the screaming nonstop for so long, yeah. <laughs> I knew, yeah. you know, she's fine. You can tell yeah. the difference with the cries as well. But I knew, yeah, you know, yeah. she's got a clean nappy. She's not hurt. She's, not hurt. she's fine. Um, yeah. And she's just always been a lot better sleeping like on her own in the dark, in her own environment. She never fell asleep on me as a newborn really at all. So, mm. she, yeah, I guess every baby's different and that was just her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. And one of, I guess, the last um, topics that came through when I asked for questions about the fourth trimester was things that you actually used when Billy was a newborn versus things – that like someone told you was essential, but you actually probably never touched. Can you think of anything that you used could be for you or for Billy um, that you would like highly recommend versus things that you just think, Oh my God, I can't believe I bought that. Oh, there were so many things. I think when it's your first baby as well. And I didn't, I don't have many mum friends. So I just went on this frenzy. I think farmers had a sale. (laughs) I just like bought all these things that I thought I needed, like a nasal decongester, 
Yeah. And like that thing was useless. I've had to you can't pick use them, them, right? No, they, they don't work, yeah. right? It's not out with like tweezers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was like a stupid thing. But the, the things I did really use, because I always swaddled her, that was something <laughs> that, um, and again, everyone has an opinion on this, and that's totally fine. But yeah. for her, the swaddling was a, one way that I could settle her, and um, it really helped. So, yeah. like, good thin merino swaddle, like a bit stretchy so she can't, you know, bust out of it was yeah, was something I used all the time. I think nice baby wool baby blankets are perfect, but it's so easy to go overboard in, in reality, don't you think? Yeah. There's a lot that you need. <laughs> oh, 100%. I always think that I'm like, man, there's so many things that I was like, yeah, we have to have this for when Jai is newborn. And then I look back and now and it's just like all sitting there and it's box that like never got used yeah I exactly I ended up um donating a whole lot of stuff yeah. before we left to Japan that was completely unused and I thought oh I hope someone can <laughs> get some use because you end up with your favorite That's... things right like even with swaddles I remember I'd have like three or four favorite swaddles and if they were dirty I'd like frantically chuck them in the wash so that I could use them again so we might have had heaps but in reality I only used a couple of them Yes, absolutely, because you need the big ones and they have to be like that nice stretchy material. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, it's so funny that I didn't have, that I needed, but you think Mm. this is like basics. I had no um, 4-0 clothes, like actual newborn clothes. Oh, yeah. Did you have like bigger sizes, you mean? Yeah, so I had so many surgeries, yeah. and I packed this hospital bag of all these cute little outfits that I'd <laughs> planned, and my midwife was dressing Billy, and she was like, Hannah, like, do you have any other clothes? <laughs> these are huge on her, and I was like, this is so mortifying that I've got all this other crap, and I don't even have the right size clothes for you. Yeah, 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 I think um, it's so interesting, right, because you like and I don't know if it was just because you didn't know or not but I was like oh Jai's probably going to be you know like a big baby so maybe he won't fit newborn clothes and like when they come out for the most part they still are small enough to fit a newborn size clothes like even if it's not for that long I was the same I was like how do you know how do you possibly know what size of clothes to take for your baby to the hospital yeah absolutely like I definitely needed some four zero newborn clothes which I didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. And is there anything that you feel like um, we haven't covered? Like how are you finding things with Billy now? Do you feel like you're in a really different place with your mental health? Like just, yeah, I guess where are you at um, now? Um, I just, I'm so much better. Honestly, once the colic sort of died down and that was around 14 weeks, I just, Got a, I was getting a lot more out of her that wasn't just mm. screaming. And she's actually a really smiley baby. So <laughs> she would have been in a lot of pain those first couple of months, yeah. I think, um, yeah. or tummy. But she she's really good and she's so interactive. And, um, you know, obviously it's just one of those – motherhood's one of those things that as the child changes, you have to change and you're mm. always adapting. There's no sort of, you don't really get comfortable because then they learn something new or they're crawling or they're walking. Um, mm. But no, I'm, I am really loving it. And one of the good things about Japan is that I've spent so much time with her and it's probably time yeah. that I wouldn't have spent if I yeah. was 
in Auckland um, just because I'd probably be working more. So I'm just really grateful to have all this time and yeah, no, it's yeah. been really good. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And you're obviously coming home soon. I think you see the end of May. Are you looking forward to it? What are you sort of, what are you feeling around the return to New Zealand? I'm so excited. I just really missed all my family and friends and it's yeah. going to be great to just be back in our house and in New Zealand. Um, obviously the lifestyle will be very different. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous of how Billy's going to go. Just It's obviously a huge change for her. Um, yeah. I think even just the sounds will be different. I mean, she's heard Japanese now for most of her life yes. and yeah. she's seen Japanese people for most of her life and um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she goes. But I think one of the perks of having um, the sleep environment, which we have, it's just like the dark room. She's got her toy in there and her sleeping bag and the white noise. Is I'm hoping that she will adapt quite well when yeah. we get home as long as I keep all those things consistent. Yeah, for sure. I think um, if there's anything I've learned about motherhood is that babies are so resilient and often it's like – you as the mom or the dad who get this like anxiety or like, Oh my God, how are they going to cope with that? And then they are actually doing fine. And they, they, they just, yeah, adjust. So I think you're right. It's having something that's consistent, like a sleep environment can, can really help. Yeah. And I think we probably, you know, overreact a little bit. Yeah. And if we're calm, most of the time the baby will be calm. Yeah. 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 For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on the podcast and speaking to me about your journey. I know that it has been a journey <laughs> and you, um, you've you survived, I guess, seven months so far. And yeah, I think you're doing a really good job. So I appreciate your honesty and coming on the podcast and sharing a bit more with us. So thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. And to anyone listening, if you're struggling with a baby, that has colic or is really unsettled, um, definitely please feel free to get in touch with me, um, <laughs> me a DM, um, yeah. if you need someone to talk to because I know how tough it is and if you listen to this, you're doing amazing. So <laughs> hang in there. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's bonus episode of Kiwi Birth Tales where we have talked about all things postpartum with Hannah Barrett. I hope you've enjoyed it. I look forward to bringing you more of these bonus episodes as we move throughout the rest of the year. And I will see you very soon for a normal birth stories episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.